Thank you, children, and Sanctuary Choir, Karen, Jeff, everyone who helped with that. Praise the Lord. That was a wonderful time of worship for me, as I know it was for all of us. I love being back here with you guys and worshiping the Lord Jesus with you. I'm reading up here, and as it says, the founder of Alabama Baptist Widow and Orphan's Home, I think about how God, in his great sovereignty, got George and Pat Tate to go to New Orleans and uh, adopt me there, bring me here, raise me in this church, got saved in March of 80 in this church, got called to the ministry in December 96 in this church, and I'm just so glad to be back here with you. I'm, it, it's a surreal thing for me, and usually when I preach, it's probably kind of a surreal thing for y'all too. So. <laughs> but I can't think of anything so I'd rather be today. Thank you for being here to worship the Lord and allowing me the privilege of, of preaching this morning with you. We've already had the, uh, the text read, of course, in Matthew chapter 6, and if you have a Bible, I hope you will turn to that and please follow along as, as we go through it here in just a few moments. While you're turning to that, all of us have some things we need to do, we want to do. Uh, some of those things that we need to do, we've done them a million times and we'll get them done again without much thought. It's just kind of muscle memory. And then there are other things that we have in front of us that we may or may not do, and we're going to look at those things, and we're going to think about the time and the effort, or maybe even the expense that it's going to cost us, and we're going to have to make a decision. Is this something I'm going to spend my time and effort and expenses doing, or I'm going to let that go? Maybe somebody else will pick it up. And then there are those things that we would love to do. We really would. But we're just not ever going to be able to do them. I'd love to rocket a, a go up in a space rocket, wouldn't you? I think that'd be awesome. It's not going to happen. It never would have happened. I'd love to win the 100-yard dash in the uh, Olympics. Not going to happen. But there are some things that we can do and we must do, and there are some things that we cannot do, period, no matter how, how badly we may want to. Winning World War II for the American troops and their allies, that was difficult. It cost a great deal money and lives, but it was done. Living a biblical Christian life is difficult. It is difficult. If you follow Jesus, not just know him, but if you follow him, you're going to have people lie about you. You're going to have folks avoid you. You are going to lose friends. You are going to have things happen. It's going to cost you something. It's difficult to live a biblical Christian life because you got to die to yourself you have to deny yourself you have to take up your cross and you've got to follow Christ he is your master he is your king and remember we are more influenced by our culture than we are the word of God and we're more influenced by our culture than we think we are so we have to go through all of that and go back to the word and understand that God wants us to follow him no matter what it costs he is worthy of it amen I think about the 1980 USA hockey team. Y'all remember that in Lake Placid? Won the gold medal. Beat, these are college kids, and they beat the great Russian pro team, and then they beat Finland for the, the gold medal. That was difficult. I can't even imagine. But if they would not have had skates on their feet, and if they had not been issued sticks to play the game with, it would have been impossible for them to beat the Russians and to win the gold medal. 
Wasn't going to happen. For a young man and a young woman today who love one another, to live a life of purity before the Lord, before marriage, that is difficult. For that same young couple to do everything, do what everybody else seems to be doing at this time and simultaneously please God is impossible. Today, as we approach Christmas, and I'm so thankful that I'll be here with you, Lord willing, on Christmas morning, I want to plagiarize Jesus and make a big deal of him who died for our sins when we were enemies of God as we approach the celebration of his birth. You and I are accustomed to dividing our lives into two parts. The spiritual part, which is what everyone in this place right now is tending to, the spiritual part, or in the mornings when you have your coffee and you pick up the word and you start reading the Bible, or when you have, pull out your three-by-five cards and you're memorizing scripture as you're going to and from work or however you do that. That's the spiritual part of our life. But then we have what we also call real life. That's outside that door. The real part, the other six plus days where I go to work and I'm around people and I do my thing and they do their thing and, and we work together and we you know, raise families and we pay bills. We do, that's the real part. And if we're not careful, boy, they can start becoming convoluted in the wrong way because Jesus never divided the real, the physical, the here and now, and the eternal. He never divided them. So we do well to keep them one ball as well, but holy unto him. He is our king. He didn't make the division. He made it clear, Jesus himself did, that the right attitude toward wealth, earthly wealth, is a mark of true spiritual health in a believer, in every believer. This is holiness. This is righteousness unto the Lord. Nowhere did the Bible or anywhere, Old Testament, New Testament, does God glorify poverty or condemn us having legitimately gained earthly wealth. It's not wrong to possess things. But friends, brothers and sisters, it is sinful and inexcusable to God for things to possess you. God won't stand for it. He won't, he won't share his glory with another no matter what that thing may be, no matter who that thing may be. He is worthy of it all. Jesus reminds us here, even warns us in his mercy, that worldliness is common as breathing and worldliness is as fatal as a bullet. The enemy can, can get you on worldliness quicker than any other temptation. Did you know that? Do you believe that? He can. He can take you down with that and, and you won't even feel it. As an American, we won't even feel it. As a middle class American, you won't even feel it. You'll feel like you're following the Lord because you're here in this place, all sorts of reasons. But if you are not following as, as God tells you to, then you're missing the boat. And he doesn't want you to. So he warns us here very clearly, not in parables, but in clear language, how he wants us for our good for his glory, and for the good of those whose lives he wants to touch through you. 
Brothers and sisters, this world and the things of it are not your reward from the Lord. They are his blessings, but they are only his blessings if you put them on the altar. If you keep them for yourselves and say that they are truly yours, they are not a blessing. They are a curse. Not because God made it that way, but because you're choosing to do it that way. And God gives us the choice to do things. Living with an eternal perspective toward worldly wealth is difficult. It is. Especially in our culture. It is so strong. That, 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 that draw is so strong for me and you to, to find our security in the things around us that we have accumulated and earned. But nurturing a love for worldly wealth and simultaneously pleasing God is impossible. You cannot do it. Fortunately, we have a merciful God who sent his son as a savior to warn us of this. In verse 19, we're given an eternal command and a warning. When he says, don't do this, this is Jesus. Disciples of mine, followers in the future, do not do this. Don't store up these treasures that you have on earth. Just don't do it. Literally, it reads, do not treasure for yourselves treasures, earthly treasures. Don't do it. Rebelling against this will enslave your mind, your soul, your will, your devotion. Don't do it, he says. I love you. And he tells us today, I love you. Don't do this. If you've done it every day of your life until now, stop it. It's not too late. Just turn. Turn to me, he says. You and I are free to choose our treasures. What are your treasures? You're free to choose them. We get to declare to Almighty God what we say are the best things. Lord, I think this car is the best thing. I think this truck, I think this 401k, I think the bank account, I think whatever. You can fill it with whatever you want to. Whatever you want to find your hope, your joy, your security in, you are welcome to do that and allowed to. You're not a wind-up robot by God. He wants you to choose him. He didn't make you do that. God doesn't deprive you and me of our treasures, friends. He lavishes us. Would we all agree on that? I look around this, this room. He is, we have much. Amen? Amen. We do. We have a lot. A lot more than we need in most cases. I admit that too. But in his love, he directs us to choose wisely. Because the truth is, you don't get to keep anything from here. Not one thing. You may lose them while you're here on earth, but you will lose them at your death. And God knows that, and you and I know that too. But we like to push that back and forget about it from time to time. So God, Jesus is good enough to, to remind us out of his word today to do it. Verse 20, we have another eternal command, but this one has a promise with it. Don't do that thing in 19. But do this thing in verse 20. Do this. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they, where they don't go away. They don't get destroyed. They don't get stolen. Nothing is. They are protected by almighty God. They're not going anywhere. They'll be right there waiting for you. In 1 Peter, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, the word says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept that is protected in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Nothing can take these treasures away from you. Now, if I told you right now, you see everything you've got, okay, double it. Whatever you've got, just double it, and none of it will ever be taken from you. And guaranteed it, stamped, sealed, and delivered. Not me, but somebody who could actually promise you that. Wouldn't that make you feel good? But see, they will go away. If they gave you ten times as much, they'll still go away. You will not take them with you past this life. But God's reward for you, if the word of God is true, Oh, help us all, Lord. Pity us all, world, if this word is not true. Live, hey, eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we die. This is as good as it gets. Friends, this is as bad as it gets for a believer. This is as close to hell as you'll ever get if you know Christ and if you're following him. As we gain and we use what God puts in our hands for his eternal purpose and glory, he heaps up and protects and keeps what he wants, he's going to give to us. The reward system is his idea. Let's remember that. I've had folks say to me, oh, I don't want to think about what rewards. I'm too humble about that. I don't want to think about God's rewards. I just want to serve him. Look, let's don't turn down what God says in his infinite wisdom that he has created to give us for his glory. Everything's going to be for his glory in heaven. Amen. I'm so happy about that. We're never going to have one bad thought about somebody again. I'm never going to be poor again. I'm never, not, I'm never going to be hungry again. I'm never going to be angry again. I'm never even going to feel that anymore. You aren't either if you know, know Christ. What a wonderful thing. You won't worry about stuff. Our heart needs to be, Lord, how can I use, quote, my stuff for your glory? Or, Lord, how can I use more of my stuff for your glory since the days are ticking? Since we met last time, I've known two people that died. I knew them personally. Some of y'all may know more than that. That have died since I was in here just a couple of weeks ago. Our day is coming. And we want to be ready for it. And God wants us to be ready for it. He loves you. This isn't a threat from him. This is a merciful warning because he loves us so much. And wonderful instruction. Verse 21 is the mirror. It's the mirror for us to look into. So let's look into it in your heart right now. Where your treasure is. Where it is. I know where my treasure was. And it had me going straight to hell. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure right now as you sit here? When you walked in the room. Where is your treasure going to be, more importantly, when you walk out the door? Is it going to be right where it was? You came to church. You sung. You listened to children sing. You were blessed. And you're going to leave and go home and go to lunch. Will you leave the same? Lord, help us not do that. Your heart follows your real treasure. Just like a compass needle to true north. It will always follow it. It will make it more and more important. Where your treasure is, there you will find your self-esteem, your aims, your intentions, your care, your effort, your fears, your hope, your trust, your joy, your delight, your first thought, and your frequent thoughts. That is where you will find your treasure. 
What fills those for you now? What does God want for you, though? Much more than we could ever want for ourselves. He loves you so much more than we could, or your mother even, could love you. Whatever our treasure truly is, its true worth will be seen, sealed for eternity when your soul is called for. Whatever it is. No second shot. No gimme. Whatever it is. So if we've lived with our eyes on the Lord, as Malachi 3.16 says, a book of remembrance was written before him, almighty God, for those who feared him and had high regard for his name. What is the mirror showing you today? Oh, it hurts. Uh, sometimes I don't like looking in the mirror. I don't like looking in a regular mirror because this is what I'm, is looking back at. You know, it ain't much. But when I think about that one, I do. It hurts sometimes, but it hurts good. Gets me back on track when I look in my heart and say, what am, I, what am I chasing? It's not him. It's something else. He wants better for that and than that for me and you. Are you doing what's difficult? That is laying up treasures in heaven. It's difficult. Or are you attempting to do the impossible? Building up a treasure that will leave you. You don't want that. Verses 22 and 23 look very closely at our eye. The eye, and that is the will, the soul. It says if it's healthy, that is it's pure and simple and single, with a single devotion to God. Not not double-hearted, double-minded as the Bible calls it, as Jesus calls it. You know, it's, he wants us to look right at him. Remember, if we're following straight toward him, he knows what we need coming in from the sides. He'll always take care of that. He loves you. He's promised you he would do that. And hasn't he done that for us right now? Look at us. You know, we, we've been blessed. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. But we can't have our eye on him and have our eye on the world. That is impossible. He's not here today, but if he was, I was going to talk about him to his face, but Mickey Miller's the best baseball player I've ever personally known. Had a glove, we called it Hoover, because it was just, you couldn't hit one by him. Had an arm like a cannon, and he went to Auburn in 73, 74, 75, and 76. Started all four years, and at some point in time during those four years, he led the Auburn Tigers, who had very good teams, in in some kind or more of uh, one hitting category. He hit the ball. That was difficult for him to get there. He worked. He worked hard. But if he got up in that batter's box, or anybody, and he's got one eye, his left eye, on the pitcher, and he's got one eye trying to strain over here to see what the catcher is signaling, if it's going to be a curve, a slider, fastball, changeup, whatever it's going to be, he isn't going to hit anything. If me and you have our eyes cocked, we're cockeyed, we're we're worldly-eyed, and we're heaven I'd, it's impossible. He makes it clear here. Verse 24 is the application of this text, and I close with this. No one, no one, I say no one can serve God, and the word is mammon. Money is fine. It certainly serves us fine here. But it's anything and everything in this world that we can see as a gain for us. 
gives us what we want. You cannot serve them. Gain that feeds the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the prideful, boastful pride of life. Our belly, our sleep, our priorities, our honor, our riches, our reputation, our e- a reputation. You guard your reputation. I found out something. My reputation is not that great. And I think about, you know, boy, I, I want them to like me. I want them to like me. They're not going to like you. Some of them are going to like you and some of them aren't going to like you. You're going to have a great reputation before Almighty God, though, if you put him on the, the throne of your heart and you let him stay there. He's going to be so glad you did it one of these days. In a trillion years, that's going to matter to you. Whereas that 401k won't mean squat except for what you used out of it to glorify the Lord God through building his kingdom. Which we can do. Jesus Christ, God the Son, said with his mouth, you cannot serve both God and money. Not, oh, Tate's not very good at it. Jeff's better at it. But, Jeff, you know, Tate's coming along in it. But Murray's, Murray's worse at it than Tate is. But, you know, all of them are struck. No. None of us can do it. None of us can do this. It is impossible. It's not difficult. It's impossible. The one who has chosen to serve mammon will obey mammon while pretending to serve God. Don't be a pretender. You're better than that. The Lord says you're better than that. He sent his son to prove that you're better than that. The Lord has faithfully tested you many times to show you, verse 21, where your treasure really is. He's doing it again today. You, you think, I like listening to this all week? I hate this sermon. My flesh hates this sermon because it hits me right where I live. Where is your treasure? Really, where is it? The commands of these two masters, God and money, are not the same. As it is impossible to serve but one of them, I want to encourage you today to choose wisely, to choose eternally the real way that it's going to matter. In the last couple of minutes that I've got, I want to encourage you, because it's no accident that God has me here during this time, it is Lottie Moon Christmas offering time. I'm assuming y'all have already begun taking that up. I, I don't know. I, is that right? Have y'all already started? All right, let, let me encourage you to do something. To take what we just talked about and to let that be the filter that you're giving to Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions goes to. 3,600 Baptist missionaries. Again, out of 14 million. 54,000 54, 54, uh, Mormons are knocking on doors today. 54,000. 3,600 Baptist missionaries. Friends, $14.85 per Baptist is not going to win this world to Jesus. It's not going to send missionaries. It's sending a few, but... And 92% of our missionaries are in the most difficult places on earth. I want to encourage you as you give to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give? Don't worry about goals or anything like that. Your goal is to obey the Lord. Amen? That's what we're talking about here today. Lord, what would you have me give? And as soon as that number comes to your mind, and one will come quickly to your mind, I want to encourage you to do this. Immediately double it. Immediately double it. 
and then say, now, Lord, I'm listening. What would you have me give? And if it sounds, if the next number he gives you sounds ridiculous or frightening, I want to promise you, if you give in obedience, you will be rewarded. He knows what you need. He's not going to hurt you. He wants his word to reach the nations. If you give what God tells you to give, and something comes up and you can't reach, uh, you can't pay a bill, your power bill won't get paid if you do this. I'm going to leave my card right here. If you can't pay a bill after obediently giving to Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you call me, and brother, sister, I will pay that bill for you. You won't go hungry by obeying the Lord. I can promise you that. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for our time together. We thank you that you love us so much that you allow it to, you allow it to hurt sometime, but hurt good. Lord, we don't want to be idolaters. We want to be Jesus people. And we know that our money is not ours, it's yours. And we know that the Great Commission is ours. Lord, it's not an option. You have commanded us to do this, and you are worthy of us doing it. So, Father, we ask now in Jesus' name that you would open our hearts to become more and more generous in the giving to your word, to your work all over the world. Oh, Lord, that your word may go out in power, that men and women and young people would be called out from among pews, out of the pews and into the the far-flung reaches of this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen.